Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. On the other side, though, working 22 hours a day is not correct. Working 22 hours a day is not correct because you have to balance the, the condition, the value, the quality of your existence with the purpose for which it exists. So if you're putting in 22 hours a day just in getting your existence comfortable, when are you going to attend to the purpose and the meaning and the, and the value of that existence? So you've got to balance your time with um, getting rich and knowing what to do with it. You're spending all your time getting rich. And what, where's it going? Some rabbi asked one of his congregants, do you have time to study? He said, no, I have no time to study. I have to work, I have to make a living. He said, why? He says, to send my kid to yeshiva. <laughs> so the rabbi said, you know, everyone I ask tells me the same thing. Who is this kid that everyone is trying to send to yeshiva? <laughs> and when that kid grows up, is he going to come and tell me that he's too busy to study because he has to send his kid to yeshiva? When are we going to get to the punchline? So if everybody is working full-time to make it possible to go to yeshiva and nobody actually goes, what are we doing? So you make your, your life, your existence better. You establish yourself comfortably so that you can live a life. But then you have no time for it because you put 22 hours into Where is your life? Where is that happening? And in very simple language, you put in a long day at work and then you come home. What is home to you? A break from life? This is where you can collapse and chill out? Or when you come home, this is where your life happens. At work, that's where your existence takes shape. So if you don't have time and energy and interest in the life, because you're putting 22 hours into the existence, you're going to get depressed. As a real estate agent, uh, a lot of realtors <laughs> make their business, and a lot of salespeople make their business either by door knocking or head knocking or cold calling. And it's a two-part question. Part one, is that allowed? And part two, if somebody doesn't feel comfortable doing something, is that a sign that he shouldn't be doing it? That's a tricky question. Because if we, if we did only what we feel comfortable doing, I don't know if we would ever accomplish anything great. So you do push yourself past your comfort zone if you really want to achieve something. But there are also times when you're pushing not against your comfort zone, but against your capacity. And you really should be trying something else because you're not cut out for this. And you need to consult with friends. And I think this, this is the kind of program that helps you sort out 
are my efforts going to be productive or am I just uh, frustrating myself because this is not for me? You, it's, hard, it's hard for the individual to measure that honestly and you need input from the people who know you and who know the business. So consultations, good friends, advice, indispensable. Cold calling allowed, door knocking allowed? Sure, if you have the stomach for it. <laughs> um, the next example I was going to bring is the Haftarah of Vayera, uh, where Elisha helps a lady in need who doesn't have money. Uh, do you mind summarizing the story and how that affects or how that comes into what we're talking about? <clears throat> that story, that Haftarah is something you've got, you've got to study and you've got to... It's just beautiful. It's amazing. Um, basically what happens is her husband dies, leaving her with debts, and there's no money because Israel, shockingly, is at war with Syria. <laughs> and they're not doing so well. So there's no money, there's poverty. And she comes to the prophet, to Elisha, crying for help. Elisha says, what have you got left in your house? She says, nothing. <coughs> she had to sell everything, and she still can't pay her debts. She says, I have nothing except an oil pitcher. Elisha says to her, go borrow empty vessels from all your neighbors. Bring them to your house, close the door, and take that pitcher of oil that you have, which may or may not have oil in it, it was just the pitcher. But pour oil from that pitcher into all the empty vessels you've borrowed, and they will all fill. And then you will sell the oil and be able to pay your debts and have enough to live on for the rest of your life. So she goes and she does this. Her children hand her the empty vessels, and she's pouring. When all the vessels she had borrowed were already full, she says to her son, hand me another vessel. And the boy says, we don't have any more vessels. And the oil in the pitcher stopped. So the commentaries tell us, what is, it, what is the Torah trying to say here? It tells you, when the vessels were all full, she said, hand me another vessel. Why? Because the oil was still flowing. When the sun said, we don't have any more vessels, then the oil stopped flowing. Which means, the fact that the vessels were full did not stop the oil, did not end the miracle. When somebody said, we don't have any more vessels, that stopped the miracle, that killed it. The important message and, and, and lesson here is what you verbalize has a powerful effect. If you say, well, I don't think we can do any more business, well, then that's not, that's going to stop it. If you say, we can't take any more, if I get any richer, <laughs> I'm going to explode, well, then you're not going to get any richer. In other words, when you think and verbalize that you have reached your capacity, 
Well, God is not going to force feed you. But as long as you're open to more, the blessings will keep coming, even though the vessels were full. Well, then fill your hat. <laughs> Get something else, but the oil will keep flowing. But when you say we're out of capacity, we have no more vessel, we can't contain any more of this blessing, then, then it stops. Uh, it also says that she had to do it behind closed doors. He instructed her very, very, very explicitly to make sure that the doors are closed because miracles like privacy. So when you're negotiating a big deal, don't talk about it during the negotiation? Even after the negotiation. Until you've, um, until you've deposited the check, don't say anything. Until the check clears. Until the check clears. <laughs> Another one of my uh, favorite uh, passages, Igati Velomatsati. Do you mind sharing with us how that affects our conversation and making money? In our partnership with God, <clears throat> he promises that no effort will ever be wasted. If you're putting in a sincere effort, a genuine effort, it will not be wasted. God creates the world very efficiently. And he expects that our efforts and our investment and our um, input will also be efficient. He doesn't like, I mean, nature doesn't like waste. That's because of who created it. God doesn't like waste. And so if you're putting in an effort, it will succeed. Now again, it's not cause and effect. It's the way God works. So are we guaranteed that if we put in an effort, we will succeed? We are guaranteed that something will come from your efforts. What will come, how much will come, this is a little unpredictable. But that an effort was wasted, no such thing. And it could be that you put in an effort hoping to make money one way, and then God surprises you and the money comes in from the side door, the back door, the chimney. That's fine. We're not particular. Don't get too narrow. I'll tell you this little story. This guy came to the Rebbe back in Poland asking for a blessing to be rich. And it never, it never happened. What he had was a horse and he would make deliveries. And he kept coming back every year, yeah, but I don't have enough money, I need more money, I need to make more money, and it never happened. One year he comes to the Rebbe, and he says, Rebbe, now I'm really in trouble, my horse died. Now what am I going to do? The Rebbe gave him a blessing, and that year he became very wealthy. So he comes back to the Rebbe, and he says, every year you gave me a blessing, it didn't work. This year you gave me a blessing, and all of a sudden it worked. What happened? Did I do something right? Did I... He said, no. The, the horse died. Every year when you came and asked me for a blessing, what you were thinking is, how can I make more money with my horse? Well, you can't. <laughs> you are making as much money as you can make on this old horse. 
once the horse died, you opened yourself up to greater possibilities, and then the blessing took off. If we get too narrow, I want to succeed this way. Don't, don't be so particular. You put in your effort, and success will come. Like they say on the airlines, check out to see where the doors are, and they might be behind you. That's very smart. The blessing could be coming from behind you, so stop running towards it. <laughs> Let it catch you. So, if you try, you will succeed. But, but don't narrow the, 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 the opening. Don't narrow the possibilities. Try what you're trying. Let success come any way it wants. Don't be particular. Let's end with a couple of definitions. Who is strong? The Mishnah says, who is strong? A person who can control his temper. Temper meaning personality, not just anger. Who is rich? He who is content with his lot. Who is smart? Who is a chacham? One who learns from everybody. And who is honored? One who gives honor to all creatures. Now this needs a lot of commentary, because none of it makes any sense. How do you get to be smart? By learning from everybody or by learning from smart people? <laughs> You're not going to get smart if you don't hang around smart people. Uh, who is strong? One who controls his temper. You control your temper, nobody will ever know you're strong. You get really angry and destroy, <clears throat> and destroy the whole city. Oh, now we know you're strong. So it seems to be like promising something and then limiting it. Who is honored? The one who honors all people. You know, you hang around with low lives, nobody's going to honor you. You're ruining your reputation, and, and you're going in the opposite direction. But the, may, the, mo the most puzzling is, who is rich? One who is happy with his portion. That's like bait and switch. You started off telling me who's rich. You end up telling me who's happy. And you can say, well, happiness is a form of wealth. Not sorry. <laughs> I want to know who's rich. So what is the Mishnah saying? Turns out like this. The Mishnah is saying, who is rich? What do you mean, who's rich? Take a look at his bank account. What kind of question is who is rich? What is it, a mystery? Rich people are rich. Poor people are not, no matter how happy they are. So a person who's very happy is a very happy poor person. He's not rich. What the mission is saying is, if you're going to be rich, there's a certain condition. Be happy with your portion. Otherwise, the wealth will work against you. Like, for example, a person gets rich. All of a sudden, because he has money, he doesn't like his wife anymore. And he has no time for his children. And his house is not comfortable. And the city he lives in is not, is not right for him. And all of his friends are uh, annoying. See, you became rich, and all of a sudden, your portion in life 
is not good enough for you. The wealth is killing you. So to be wealthy and not suffer, you should be rich and content with your lot. It doesn't mean content with how much money you have, because if you're content with that, you're not going to get rich. So it doesn't mean you are rich if you don't need any more money. That's not rich. That's just content. What it's saying is, of course you should get more money. But getting more money doesn't mean that you have to trade in your wife, or your husband, or your house, or your friends, or your city, or your Judaism. And the same is true with um, strong. Who is strong? A person who controls himself. It doesn't mean that if you control yourself, you're strong. Could be you're timid. If you're a very strong person, and you don't want your strength to destroy you, then you need to control your own impulses. Otherwise, your strength will start to work against you. So who is strong? Somebody who can beat up everybody else. But if you don't also control yourself, it will turn against you and you'll beat yourself up. Who is smart? If you can't learn from all people, you narrow your, your sources of information and your wisdom, your smarts, will lock you up in a certain place. You know, you can only... You, you, can, you can speak only to, to educated people, and, and your knowledge becomes sterile. You live in an artificial world. Who is honored? Not somebody who honors others. You're honored because you're a great person and you do great things. But if you don't want that to start destroying you, and get, you know, a little arrogant and, and selfish and so on. As you're being honored for all the great things you do, make sure that you spread that honor so that it doesn't destroy you. So wisdom, wealth, strength, and honor are great things. But if you don't know how to handle it, it will hurt you. We have a Sunday night program for VIPs that you might be interested in. It's informal, it's questions and answers, it's conversation. It's really relaxed, it's really pleasant, enjoyable, informative, and uh, kind of community-like. It's a Sunday night program, there's a um, Wednesday morning program for the VIPs, and there's a Wednesday night program. All of it, just conversation, casual, laid back, unscripted. So join us. Take a look. Click uh, the link below and see which, which of the three suits you best. And join us for some enjoyable conversations.